Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Back to school can be an exciting time for some and an anxiety-filled time for others. In this episode, we're going to reflect on some of the inspiring and encouraging answers from Winning Is Not Everything guests who are Olympic medalists and Super Bowl champions and Hall of Famers and lottery picks and superstar athletes from multiple sports. Let's get to it. We build them up, making their accomplishments and amazing athletic skills appear as if they are superheroes. We're wild by their titles, their salaries, and their highlights. Yet we sometimes forget a few undeniable facts. Elite athletes are humans, and they were once elementary and middle schoolers too. As students returned to school, I wanted to highlight some memorable and candid answers from the standout guests that we've had on Winning Is Not Everything. One of my recurring questions to a guest is, what did you wrestle or struggle with in middle or high school? Let's check out some of the coolest answers. In July 2022, at the World Athletics Championships, Carol Winger became the first American woman to ever win a medal in Javelin by earning a silver. But check out what she had to say about one of her back-in-the-day struggles. I was never, like, the subject of any really obvious like ridicule or anything like that. But I would say that because I was really used to being new and because I kind of always had an eye out for those people that maybe needed a friend, there were times like maybe more often than not that I felt kind of isolated. Like people were like, oh, Kara has got it. Like she's busy doing other stuff. And I, I didn't necessarily know how to get really close to people. Like I have phenomenal friends from high school. Like my absolute soul sisters are especially my swimming friends and a couple people, you know, from elementary school on. But I think back and there were a lot of times that I was just maybe too busy for my own good or too mm. too focused on improvement in different areas rather than just enjoying the ride. Mm. Uh, and that sometimes felt like maybe intention from other people, but in reality, it could have just been me not knowing how to be vulnerable and like ask to spend more time with people and, and put myself out there in friendship mm. ways. So yeah, yeah, I just, I think that's maybe still my social tendency a little bit. I just have better perspective on it now and I'm able to kind of voice those feelings and say, hey, like, I'm feeling lonely. Can we spend time together (laughs) instead of kind of struggling along on my own? Chet Holmgren was the second overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft. He starred at Minnehaha Academy in Minneapolis in basketball, and he shined in his lone collegiate season at Gonzaga. But listen to what he had to say about a humbling experience early on in basketball. Yeah, um, growing up, I guess I could say I've always been well off. I wouldn't say entitled, but everybody has their moments where they feel that way. And say my first AAU tournament with Team Sizzle, Hustlers, whatever you want to call it, it was in Kansas City. And I think I played four minutes the whole tournament in like eight games. And we were either up 30 or down 30 in all the all those minutes I played. So. I, I sat the bench, didn't didn't do anything, and this was after being Park Board MVP, so I was feeling pretty hot. And and it kind of defeated me. I was like, I drove so far across the country to you know sit here and do nothing. 
and it it makes you question things, but at the same time, it makes you understand. You know, I'm not going to be given anything, and that's kind of just where the hard work started. Nate Burleson played 11 seasons in the NFL, and he's one of the most versatile and talented television personalities. But Nate wasn't always so comfortable with himself. Well, just trying to find my identity. Um, like I said, I wasn't like standout athletically, so people would see me and be like, oh, he's, he's a, a athlete. I don't know if he's a good athlete. Um, and, and being the middle child, you're trying to figure out who you are. And I think that actually turned me to who I am because I tried all these different things. Like I was willing to try theater and, and poetry, and I, I, I wanted to be an actor, and I, I wanted to be in plays. Um, whatever the school was doing, I wanted to be heavily involved in um, because I saw my two older brothers, they were they were athletes. And I just thought, okay, what's going to make me different? So I, I would always try to find – all these different avenues to get everybody's attention. Now that I look back, it was like me, like kind of like metaphorically, like waving at everybody, like, hey, man, look at me, guys, I'm here too. And I think that was it. That was number one, struggling with my identity and, mm -hmm. and who I was and, and trying to be an individual in a household full of boys that have the same makeup. We all have the same genetic code. We look the same, talk the same, walk the same. We all have flat tops. So we we look like the Wayans uh, of Seattle. So it's like, it's like for me, I was trying to find out like where I fit in, in this in, in this group. Mandy Marquardt is a world-class sprint track cyclist representing the United States at different competitions, and she's won over 20 U.S. national titles. But growing up, others held her athleticism against her. <laughs> yeah, so when I was in middle school and high school, um, I was so athletic that I was just like always you know, playing tennis after school. I was in track and field. I you know, was beating the boys. I got picked on a lot, too, just because like I, I was so athletic. You know, I kind of be made fun of that. I'm like kind of like a man because I'm so athletic and I beat the boys. Um, I just never understood like why people would say that. I'm like, what's wrong with being competitive and being a female athlete? I definitely didn't look like a man. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, like it, it was really hard for me. But then at the same time, I'm like, I am working really hard. My parents are there and so supportive and always reminded me that sometimes people don't have nice things to say because they are maybe insecure, or just not happy with where they are in their life. And in a way that is sad at such a young age. But I just hope that that young kids can see like how much influence they have on each other. And it's important for them to be positive with each other because words, like you said, words are powerful. Words do hurt. I guess I just kind of took that energy out on my athletics um, just to prove to myself and also others like that I'm capable and what I can do as a female athlete. Another question I ask most guests is, what's the most valuable lesson you learned through a challenge or defeat? I love the question and the many answers we'll listen to, but we'll conclude with some great wisdom from a future Hall of Fame player. 
but we don't want to rush to the finish. I want you to listen to what Trey Lance, the third overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, learned from losing a game in a fourth overtime that cost his high school basketball team a spot in the state tournament. Losing the four overtime game, uh, just realizing how much I grew up from that point, uh, you know, going back and watching the game over and over again, uh, just realizing, you know, even the little things I could have done. I think, you know, that going back, that was probably the, the one game where I, you know, have regrets, honestly, uh, you know, whether it's preparing for that game or just little things I didn't understand, really, you know, as a competitor, I think that's that might be, you know, one of the points uh, in my athletic career where I kind of grew up uh, or maybe evolved, <laughs> took a step forward uh, from that point. Uh, just going back and watching that game and realize that I could have been playing harder uh, and stuff like that is, you know, hard to live with, you know, you know, you can't mm. go back and, and change it. But at the time, you know, honestly, I didn't, you know, know any better. Young athletes can often feel invincible, so an injury can really rattle him or her. Listen to what Hall of Fame and Super Bowl champion coach Tony Dungy had to say about one of his earliest injuries. <laughs> Believe it or not, uh, I was in the uh, ninth grade and we finished. I got hurt last football game of the year. I broke my finger, middle finger on my right hand. And so now you've got about three weeks off and basketball season starts. And the first game, we had a big rivalry game against Queens Middle School, and the doctors wouldn't let me play. And I was so mad. And I remember telling my dad, you've got to let me play. This is important. This is the biggest game I'll ever have in my life. And my dad just saying very calmly, I think you might have some bigger games later on. So just <laughs> let the doctor, you know, win on this one. And I was so hurt. I was so frustrated. I didn't even want to go to the game. But I learned in that patience. I learned trusting my dad, trusting the doctors, and understanding mm. that it does sometimes have things bigger in store for us that we're not really aware of. And we just have to be patient sometimes. Lastly, Larry Fitzgerald Jr. established himself as one of the NFL's all-time great receivers. But listen to how he handled a huge disappointment when he couldn't go straight from high school to college because he didn't meet NCAA eligibility requirements. Instead, he had to spend 18 months at Valley Forge Military Academy before he could attend a major college and play football. Well, I would say I went through a gamut of emotions. First, it would be embarrassment, you know, knowing that I I wasn't going to be able to graduate with all my classmates who I've been in school for the last three three years, you know, so I was ashamed and embarrassed dealing with that. And then, you know, I was nervous and scared, you know, having to move all the way to Philadelphia. First time I'd ever left home at 17 years old, and, and it wasn't like I was going for a weekend. I was going for a year and a half, and on top of that, I was going to a military school, all boys, regimented, structured um, environment that I was completely un um, unaccustomed to. So I was going through a wide range of, of emotions. I remember the first night I got there and crying myself to sleep, you know, thinking, how did I, how did I get to this position? You know, I go from having 25 scholarship offers to go to any college I want and squandering the opportunity because of something that I could control. So it was a lot of emotion. And I think it, it really made me grow up because I realized that it, it could possibly be my last chance of, 
you know, doing things the right way to be able to get to where I was trying to get to. And mm. you know, I took it like that. I took it as a, a second a second opportunity, a second chance, a, second, a new lease on life as opposed to a death sentence. And I think that mindset served me well. And Larry, I think it's so many people look at you and they see all the success and just how you know remarkable you've done. But sometimes people want to omit that, you know, and I think a lot of young people kind of reach that crossroad where they're trying to maybe do the right things and they have some kind of big setback and they've got to figure out what direction are they going to go. So what would you tell a, a, a young person that's kind of at that crossroad like you were? How are you able to push yourself to accept that reality and also have, frankly, the mental toughness to push through and stick to it. Well, I mean, there's nobody that's successful in the world that we look at to this day that hasn't had some trials and tribulations, either mm-hmm. professionally or personally. I mean, there's going to be times you don't get knocked down in life. That, that is a guarantee. I can tell you that 100% there's mm-hmm. going to be things that are going to destroy you. But at that point, it becomes your choice. If you get up or you lay down and i just never been one to lay down, and none of the successful people I know, no matter in business and in sports and politics and anything that you do, um, it's never okay to, to quit. And um, you got to be able to go out there and fight through adversity and find a way to be able to um, reach the objective no matter what. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. If you have any comments or questions, visit my website, seankjensen.com, and go to the contact page where you can even leave me a voice recording. Winning is not everything, but the three H's to be a real hero in life are hustle, humility, and heart. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, and we'll see you again next time.